0: Here's what I want you to do to start off this morning. I want you to think of something in your life that you didn't like to do, but but later after you did it or experienced it or tried it, then you started to realize that you liked it more and you realized that it was actually good for you, okay? So so that's the thing. So, I mean, at one time you didn't like, you tried it, you found out it wasn't so bad, and then you ended up realizing that it was good for you. Everybody, Anybody got something in their mind? Everybody got something in their mind like that? Okay, uh, for me, it was the dentist. Okay, I don't like going to the dentist. Uh, um, the dentist, you know, there's something about somebody sticking power tools in your mouth and smoke coming out of your mouth. I'm just like kind of not into that. But, but I've come to realize that the dentist is a pretty good thing. About two years ago, I had an abscess tooth. And I used to be the guy that really didn't think like um, a toothache. I'm like, come on, a toothache? I mean, get real. That is not, like not that big of a deal. I had a crippling abscess tooth that like brought me to my knees, and they said, well, you need a root canal. And I'm like, that doesn't sound good. Uh, root canals don't sound good. But I'm like, will it help? And he's like, yeah, it'll help. So they did a root canal greatest thing I ever did. Oh my goodness. They did a root canal. And as he's doing the root canal, like the pain is leaving my body. And I'm thinking, okay, now I was, I was wrong. Everything I've said about you, Mr. Dentist was completely wrong. You are a really nice guy. I, I, I changed my mind. You are really, really good. So I used to not like him. Now I like him because he made my pain go away. Uh, another experience for me, vegetables. Um, used to not really like vegetables. When I was a kid, I would only eat um, like I had the big three vegetables, which were potatoes, green beans, and corn. I didn't really like anything else. I called other things like second tier vegetables or third world vegetables, and I really wasn't into second tier vegetables or third world vegetables. And by that I mean like they were like lesser known kind of vegetables that I really wasn't, you know. I love vegetables now. I I eat them, maybe that's because I'm just getting old. But I I, I realized that, you know, I I hadn't tried it, that they were really good, that there was something about them being kind of green when my mom had them, and I just was kind of scared of that whole process. But um, the other thing that they did was the elementary school that I went to, we used to have uh, cooked spinach, which was horrible. Oh, it stunk. And, you know, I really like spinach now. Like Fresh spinach, like they, they ruined spinach for me as a kid. And now when I ate it, just fresh spinach, I realized that it was a good thing. That I don't know what the cooks at my elementary school did to it, but, <laughs> man, they made it really, really bad. But my goal this morning is to challenge you to do something that you may not like to do, that maybe you've done before and you didn't like it, but I believe that it's good for you. And all of us need to have it in our lives, whether you've tried it or you haven't tried it, I believe it's God's plan for your life. And the thing we're going to talk about today is called Life Together. You've heard, we, if you've been around here at Exodus, you've heard us talk about life together. In fact, you may have heard me and Matt talk about it, that it's like Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 that we talk about it so much, you're like, and some of you have tried life together, and you're like, I don't know, I've done that. But today, I want to spend time opening up God's Word and looking at why I think life together is an important concept, and what does it mean? Because the Christian life was designed by God to be experienced with other people not not by ourselves, not, not on an island, but with other people. And the goal of life together is that each person would cultivate a network or community of spiritual friends and mentors. And we believe, the reason that that's a value here at Exodus is we believe as a leadership, as pastors, that you need to cultivate, which, which is a farming term, which is watering and giving it sun and giving it time, you need to cultivate A network or community of spiritual friends and mentors. That's the way God designed it. That's the way you are wired. And if you don't do that, and you don't um, engage in that, you are only going to hurt yourselves. So we're going to talk about what that means and what that looks like today. So Keaton, go to the picture of the volleyball. All right, raise your hand if you know what this is. Some of you. Some of you know what this is. Okay, the rest of you have no clue. Okay, that volleyball's name is what? Wilson. Wilson. Okay, that volleyball is from the movie Castaway that Tom Hanks was in. And you remember, he was a pilot, FedEx pilot, uh, crashed on this island, and just basically survived for years on his own. He got so lonely that he made a friendship with a volleyball. So he basically painted the volleyball, gave it a personality, had conversations with the volleyball, argued with the volleyball, got mad at the volleyball, disagreed with the volleyball. But But what you see in that movie is is his need to have relationship, that, that if you're on an island all by yourself, that you'll even take a volleyball and, and make it into a person because God wired us to be in community with one another and to have relationships with one another. So today, we're going to unpack this value of life together. And uh, I, I want us to start off with a passage of Scripture, maybe a passage that you've heard before, but it's found in the book of Proverbs, which is in the Old Testament, chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs uh, is real close to Psalm, the book of Psalms. So here's what we read in Proverbs thirteen twenty: He who walks with the wise is wise, or grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Okay, so let's think about that for a second. He who walks with the wise grows wise. What does that mean? That means the person who does a life with other people who are wise w- will grow in their wisdom. The person who spends time with other people who are wise and on the right path will learn from those people. They'll be a better parent. They'll be a a better roommate. They'll be a better spouse. They'll grow in their patience and their love and their forgiveness because they're with other people who are helping them grow and do the same thing. But the verse goes on to say, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, what is a fool? A fool is someone who knows right from wrong, who knows the right thing to do, but doesn't really care. All right? Some of you, you you know people who are foolish. Maybe in your own life, in your past, you may say, you know, I was foolish at one time. But you knew the right thing to do, but you're like, yeah, I I I don't really care. That verse says that if we spend our time in relationships with people who are foolish, we will suffer harm. Either we will cause harm on ourselves or... There 's like shrapnel that goes around when people do foolish things that sometimes when you associate yourself with them or just friends with them or just hanging out with them it's the whole thing that your mom used to say you know i don 't care if you're going there and you're not doing anything if you're with those group of people and they're doing it then you're just going to be just as guilty as they are same kind of principle but but God says you know, in our lives the relationships that we should build that we need to think about how that unpacks in our need to do life with other people. So from that passage, we we get a principle. And a principle is something that's kind of universally true, whether we agree with it or don't agree with it. And here's the principle. Your friends determine the direction and quality of your life. Your friendships, your relationships, determine the direction and quality of your life. Now, when you're younger, when you're in high school or junior high, you maybe think, yeah, I, I can see that. As we get older, we tend to think that that wears off. But I believe it's still equally true as adults. The people that we spend time with, that we invest with, that we have relationships with, that we go places on the weekend, that we spend big chunks of time in will affect the direction and the quality of our lives. Because when it comes to the people that we hang out with, they affect our attitudes. They affect our ability to have patience. They affect who we are. So that's why it's so important in God's word that we spend life together and we cultivate a community and network of spiritual friends and mentors. I'm going to share with you five reasons why I think you need to do this. First of all, you need to cultivate a network of spiritual friends and mentors for spiritual growth. If you want to grow closer to God, you got to be in relationships with other people. If you're not in relationships with other people, that is going to hinder your ability to grow. And you know what? If you get in relationships with other people and you spend time with other men or women or build those relationships, it's going to, like, jack up your spiritual life. Like, you are going to be affected by them. When you see God alive in another person, it is irrefutable. Let's say we took a plant, and we have this plant, and we're going to bring the plant out for 30 minutes or an hour, an hour every Sunday morning and we're going to give it a little bit of sunlight, we're going to water it, give it a little bit of food, and then we're going to put it back in a closed container for the rest of the week. We all know what's going to happen to the plant, right? It's, it's, it, it may live, it may survive, maybe not, but we all know that it's not going to thrive, will it? It, it will not grow, it will not be all that, that it was designed by God to be, and the very same thing is true in our spiritual lives, In our lives, without other people in our lives, we will stunt our spiritual growth and what God wants us to be and who he wants us to be. In Proverbs 27, 17, we read a verse that says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. That you need people in your life that know you, that that love you, that care for you, and your spiritual growth is dependent upon you building those types of relationships in your life. Second reason you need life together is positive friendships, because the people we choose to do life with impact who we are in our future, and we need people who are going to encourage, who are going to pull you in the right direction, who are going to be there, love you warts and all, even even when you screw up, are going to be the ones to, to be there for you. Now, back in 1933, there was a radio show that came with a new superhero. And in 1949, it was turned into a television show, and that superhero was the Lone Ranger. Okay, and whenever the Lone Ranger came on the scene, you know, he had the mask, and he was this Texas Ranger that no one, no one really knew where he lived, which is kind of true of all superheroes, right? We don't know where they live or where they come from. So the Lone Ranger would always see something happening, and he would kind of pop on the scene. Then they had the, the music. You may have heard the music, dun, And you thought maybe that was the song for the flags during the IU game at Assembly Hall when they run out with the flags (laughs) and you think, no, okay, way before that, way before that, it was the Lone Ranger song. But here's the thing with the Lone Ranger. No one knew anything about him. No one knew where he lived. No one knew how to get in touch with him. He didn't have a Twitter account. Like no one really just knew anything about this guy. Many people in their walk with God, I think live these Lone Ranger Christian lives where it's like, you know what? I'm good. I'm just on my own. I don't need anybody else. I I don't really want people kind of knowing me. I'll just be kind of mysterious and kind of show up at church and me and God got this thing going on. And and yet it's just, it's broken. It's not the way God intended it to be. And let me fill you in on something really important. Superheroes are not real, okay? If you didn't know that, okay? So don't, don't model your life after a superhero because they're make-believe. So we need to not be Lone Rangers in our walk with God. We need other people. We need positive relationships. We need people who care about us and love us to even tell us the truth even when we don't want to hear it. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, we read a verse that says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. For you to be the releasing life person that God wants you to be, you have to be in community with other people. It's, it's essential. And you need those positive relationships. Third reason you need to be in relationships with others, Relational encouragement. Matt and I were talking about this week and he brought up this idea of who's your 3 a.m. club? Who are the people in your life that if something happened, you could call them up at 3 a.m. and and say, uh, hey, Chris, this is Dan. Um, I need your help. Or I really need to talk. Or I really screwed up. Or, hey, do you have 30 minutes so I can stop by your house? Who are the people in your life that you could do that to? I mean, that, that wouldn't judge you and wouldn't go, no, dude, that's weird. Like, who, like quit stalking me and, like, hang up the phone. Not, not those kind of people, but people that would be there for you. I mean, you, you need to have four or five people in your life that, that could, wh- whenever something big happened in your life, good, bad, or whatever, you could call them in the middle of the night and they would say, yeah, I, I'll be there. I'll meet you here or, I'll, or come by my house or I'll be at your house. Who are those people in your life? Because you need relational encouragement. You need people who will cheer you up. You need people who will be honest with you. You need people who will laugh with you. You need people who will cry with you. You need that kind of encouragement in your life. This, the interesting thing about being a pastor is we come here on Sunday morning and I interact and Matt interacts with a, a lot of you here. And I wish I could say that I knew everyone's name here. I, I could, I know a lot, but I don't know everyone's name and, and I don't, I don't really like that. But, but the thing that's interesting is a lot of people come to church and the pa- they have a pastor centered relationship with God, meaning that their relationship with God is kind of only through the pastor of a church who, let me fill you in, as being a pastor, we are like still kind of humanly limited on our ability, our time, the number of names that we can know. And so many people who want to follow God are bottlenecked because their, their relationship with God goes through a pastor. It, it's not any broader than that. And that's not the way God designed it. God designed it Life to be experienced with other people in your life, people that, that you know intimately, people that know you, people that you can love, people that love you, and you need that relational encouragement in your life. In 1 Thessalonians 5:11, we read, "So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are doing." So to cultivate a community or network of friends and spiritual mentors, you need relational encouragement. Reason number four: investment into others. God hasn't delivered you from some of the things, from some of the hardest things in your life. He's not delivered you from them just so that you could keep them to yourselves. Okay, that's not why you experienced that. That's not why you experienced freedom from that. Some of you in this room have gone through very painful marital breakups. Some of you in this room have experienced infertility. Some of you in this room have experienced the pain of a miscarriage. Others of you in this room have experienced job losses. Some of you have gone through bankruptcy. Some of you have gone through huge career changes. Some of you have faced health issues head on. Others of you have had rebellious children. All of us have those different stories. But you know what? God has brought you through many of those things because I believe that he wants you to take those and to share that experience with someone else. And if you're all to yourself, if you're living on an island all by yourself, you'll never be able to help others through that. You'll never be able to make that kind of investment into other people where they can learn from you and you're able to share what God has done for you and what he's brought you out of. In Galatians 6, verse 2, we read, by helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. That's what it means to invest And other people, and your experiences through God, were you brought through that? I think for a purpose, and many of those purposes are to be shared out and lived with others. Verse uh, reason five: biblical authenticity, cultivating a network and a community of spiritual friends and mentors is the closest that you're ever going to get to the first century church that you read about in the Bible, in the book of Acts. I love coming here on Sunday mornings. Man, I love when Jeremy gets up there and just rocks it out. I love seeing you guys. Some of you like the donuts and the coffee. You know, you come for that. that that's okay. We gather together. But the, the, the most authentic thing that we will experience of a relationship with God and doing life together happens in a group of people that, that that meet together and to know each other and have deep relationships with one another. That's not to take away from gathering together for worship as we do on Sunday mornings, but you're robbing yourself if you don't have those type of relationships with other people. In the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 20 verse 42, just listen to the description. This is just a few days after the church launched. This is what the church was. Before there was a building, before there was projectors and screens and all that stuff, this is what it was. They spent time learning the apostles' teaching, sharing, breaking bread, and praying together. Because God works through people, not organizations. So you need to have those people and those relationships in your life. Now, I've already pre-thought some of this before, already, because some of you already have excuses of why this won't work for you, okay? You've already have excuses of why I don't want to be in relationships with other people. So I I, I want to go ahead, and even if you haven't thought of the excuses, I'm going to give you a few more, okay? I'm going to give you a few more excuses, because I know you, and I know me, and here's why some of you won't be in life groups, or won't be in relationships with others. Number one, you're too busy, right? You're too, you've already thought that. You're like, I don't know, how am I going to do that? You're too busy. You know what? I'm too busy. Matt's too busy. Everybody's too busy. Everybody in this room is too busy. We're all too busy. But our busyness has something to do with where we really put our priorities. And the thing is, if you can tell me, Dan, I'm too busy, I would say, whoa, that's a red flag. You really, really need people in your life. If you're so busy that you don't have time to have relationships with other people, you really can't afford not to have relationships with other people, Okay. You really, really need other people in your life. All of us could say we're not too busy. It's kind of like finding out there's something wrong with you, and the doctor tells you, well, here's what's wrong with you. Um, here's the medication. Here is um, here's what I need you to do, exercise and eat well. And we're like, doctor, come on. Like, I am too busy to take this medication and to do what you say. I'm just too busy. Like We wouldn't say that would we? We would go, no, okay, doctor, I'll I'll do whatever you say. You just tell me what to do. I'll do it. When it relates to our spiritual lives, we're never too busy to be in relationships with others. Here's another excuse. You've already tried it and it didn't work. All right. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, tried it, Dan. It just didn't work for me. All right. How many people have ever got a bad haircut? Uh, I've had a bad haircut. All right. Did you, did you stop getting haircuts after you had a bad haircut? Like, I don't have that problem anymore, really. I just kind of, like, shave it. It's, it's no big deal anymore. But, yeah, you go get a haircut. It's bad. Like, you just don't, maybe you don't go there again, but you just stop getting haircuts. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and it's, like, been horrible? I mean, the food was bad. Like, the, um, you know, the waitress was psycho. And you're like, okay, I'm going to stop eating. I'm just not going to restaurants anymore. No, you didn't do that, did you? You're like, no, I just won't go to that restaurant. If you've ever been in with a group of people or a small group or a life group or been in a relationship and it didn't really work, my advice, just try a different group, okay? Just because you still need it. It doesn't mean just because you had a bad experience or you didn't fit in or it wasn't a good match doesn't mean you don't need people in your life now. We kind of make that crazy assumption. You still need people. You just need to go find another group. All right, here's the next excuse. You think it's for young people. All right, you're like, and I hear you, you know, but that's really good. I got a teenager. That's really good for my teenager. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Dan. But for me, no, I'm kind of mature. You know, I, I'm, I'm on my own. My own. I, I kind of know what I'm doing. And I would say, that's total bunk. That you still need people in your life. And, and, and if I can pick on some friends here, I got some great friends today from Washington, Indiana that, that, that came. Raise your hands. The Boyds and the Hughes, and there was another there was another couple with them that, that wasn't able to be here today, uh, but I point them out because all three of those couples are kind of in empty nest syndrome. Their kids are either in college or grown in a way, but they are in a small group together, right? You guys do life together. They They meet on a regular basis. They go out to eat together. They do vacations together. They spend time. They go to sporting events together. I know them, and they I see them spend time with one another in the deep friendships that they establish. So you are not too old to have experienced life with other people. That's just, that's just a cop-out. All right, excuse number four, you don't really like people that much, okay? That's, it, some of you are thinking that, I don't know. Here's the thing, when, when you say that, it, it's, it's, being vulnerable to people and getting, peop- getting to know people can be a little scary. I mean, I'll give you that. Because you think, if people really knew me, like uh, maybe they wouldn't like me, or uh, maybe if I got to know them, I wouldn't like them. But being vulnerable is a scary thing, but it's also extremely rewarding. Because if you always just hold people out here... You'll never really understand the beauty of other relationships and what they can bring to you and the benefit that comes from it. And God never designed you to live that way. He didn't design you to to just be your own little island with like, uh, you know, put this big barrier around you and you never have anything to do with other people. A couple of weeks ago, Pam and I went to South Carolina. I attended a a church leadership conference in Anderson, South Carolina, and we remembered that we had some good friends that lived in Greenville, which we never figured that out till we didn't remember it till we were there. And so I got on the phone and called up my friend, uh, John Jones, found it, actually found his son on Facebook who had his cell number on there and called his cell and said, or Pam did, and like, this is really weird, but I'm trying to get a hold of your mom, and I know them. Like, one of those where the kid's going like, what is that? Like, who is calling my cell phone? But anyway, we got in touch with them and had dinner with them. John and Tina Jones were in a small group with us for about five years. Um, There's a picture from that night just about two weeks ago, and uh, I got to tell you, I was telling Matt, it was such a beautiful thing. I haven't seen him in eight years, They have three more kids than the last time I saw them. All their other kids grew about three feet tall, so I wouldn't have recognized their kids. But we had dinner, and we picked up a conversation like we had just seen each other the week before. It was a beautiful experience to know that we had that kind of relationship with people, and they live now in Greenville, South Carolina, and we don't get to see them that often, but I treasure the relationship that we built in the community with them. And God blessed us to just be able to have dinner with them. Let me tell you about Jeff and Amy. We're a couple that, um, that Pam and I got to know. This is going back about 13 years. We had a small group and a uh, Amy came to the small group, Jeff wouldn't come, he just wasn't kind of into that, and uh, she would pray every week, will you pr- please pray for my husband Jeff that he would come, he's just kind of not into church, and Jeff has made some poor decisions, and he had, there were some kind of consequences for his decisions, but over the six months, you know, we kept praying and praying and praying, I actually got to the point where I'm like, okay, lady, we like, you know, we know, your husband, he won't come to the group, we prayed, we prayed, he shows up one week, we're like, whoa, okay, he shows up one week, Jeff Cunningham made one of the biggest transformations I have ever seen in a person's life. We, we became great friends. We're great friends to this day. He turned his life around. He realized that he, he now had children. He, he had done some crazy things when, when he was a young adult and he needed to get his life right with God. And, and I saw him grow. I saw him take on ministry initiatives that just blew me away. And, and to this day, I look and think, you know, this Jeff Cunningham that I'm looking at was the same guy that wouldn't even come to a small group with his wife or go to church with her at some point. But I saw what having a community of people did for him. And it was unbelievable. And he would have been the guy I would have written off and go, you know what, he's just into himself. He'll, he'll never be into this. He just, you know, it's all about him. Here's my challenge for you. If you're not in a group, if you don't experience life together, if you don't have a community or network of spiritual friends and mentors, you need to get one. Okay? You need to cut out the excuses. You need to suck it up, not be a wuss, not come up with all these things that you can't do. You need it. And you know what? Here's the deal. As a pastor, you think, well, Dan's just like, you know, trying to get us to get in his groups. If you look on this purple sheet of paper, all these life groups that we've put on the back. There are opportunities for you to get involved. You know what? If you think that, you think my motives are impure, go to, get involved with some people from another church. That's fine with me. My goal is not that you would get in one of our groups. My goal is that I know that God wants you to be in community with other people. And if you miss out on that, you are truly missing out. Some others in here are, are, are leading groups, in some of our groups we haven't had a, a, you know, a great response for. My challenge to you would be, you know what? We need to be bold and we need to invite people. We just need to see people, maybe they come to Exodus. Maybe it's the person four rows back. Maybe it's the next door neighbor. Maybe it's a roommate four doors down. We just need to say, hey, I meet with some group of people. We'd love for you to come. You're invited because there are thousands of people in this community that are waiting for an invitation, waiting for someone to say stop and, and let them know that they care enough for them to be included. That's my challenge for you today, because he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm, and the people that you do life with will shape who you are. God's given you this beautiful chance to do life with other people, and I promise you if you try it, it'll be like the dentist, it'll be like vegetables, it's not going to hurt you it's going to be good. In fact, I believe that most of you will end up enjoying it and really seeing that your life thrives because of it. Let's bow our heads and let me pray. Father, I pray for each one of us in here. I thank you uh, that we've been able to just see from your word that over and over again you talk about our relationships with one another. You didn't create us to be living in a vacuum. You created us to experience life together. May we be people that that do that. And today I pray that each person, you, you would let them know like what that next step is for them. For some that just need to initiate that, need to find a group to get in, need to, uh, need to find a group of people that they can be around, somebody that will will really pour into them. Father, for others, there may be some leaders of groups that we just need to be bold and invite people to be a part of our group. There are others in here that maybe they need to start a group. They need to say, you know, there's three guys at work. I just need to ask them, hey, can we uh, sit down and uh, just talk and meet every Thursday for lunch? And uh, would somebody have a devotion? And um, uh, Father, whatever that step is for us, each one of us, show us what that is. Give us the, the courage to ask you that question. And then be bold enough to, uh, to follow you and to trust you that you'll make it into a beautiful thing. That is our prayer today, in Jesus' name, amen. Here at Exodus every week, uh, we take communion together. And we're gonna do that here just in a moment. And uh, I'll say a, a prayer. There'll be some people that will come forward. They'll take the elements, they'll take the bread. And as you come up, if you just take a piece, tear it off. Then uh, take the juice, and dip it in the juice. And then, um, then it's really your personal time. You can take it right then. You can go back to your seat and take it. It's really about uh, you having a, a time with God when Jesus told us to remember him. The bread represents his, his body that was broken, put on a cross. The, the wine represents his blood that was shed. So we're gonna take that together. If you're, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a friend of Jesus, you're, invo- you're welcome in just a moment to, to make your way up here. There'll be two sets here and uh, another group on my right and left, and just come at, at, when you're, when you feel right, and we'll take communion together. Also, there's a prayer room over to your right. There's going to be some people in there. If you need prayer today for anything, they would love to uh, pray with you. Just um, anything that you need prayer for, they, they're, they're there for you. If you have a spiritual decision or have questions what it means to have a relationship with Christ, what, what does baptism mean, any kind of spiritual question like that, there'll also be people over there, they'd love to answer those questions for you in the prayer room. They'll they'll help you and only keep you as long as you want to be kept um, and answer wh- whatever questions they have, help you get on the next step. All right? Let me say a prayer and then we'll move into those portions of our service. God, you are so good. We remember you now through um, these elements of bread and wine remember that Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins and Father, you took a group of 12 guys and, and made a community out of them and, and, and they were revolutionaries that ended up changing the world and uh, Father, that that idea of relationship is something that we can't get away from help us to remember that now help us to pray for one another Father, help us uh, for the person that maybe needs to start off uh, on the right step and has some spiritual questions may they find those answers today We thank you that you call us to be your children. We thank you that you you bring us to this table so that we can experience life the way that you intended it to be. In Christ's name we pray, amen.